0: Well, did you catch the uh, the last couple songs? I have a lot to do with prayer, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in the message. And uh, you probably saw that as you looked at the title of the message, um, but uh, we're going to get there in a second. But first, we're going to take our our morning offering. And for those who are visiting with us, thank you so much for being a part of the service today. And uh, we're, we're grateful to have you participate in this service, but this is one part that we don't want you to feel like you have to participate in. Uh, we are just honestly, sincerely glad you're here and uh, want to bless and minister to you as best as we possibly can. So, um, But for members and regular tenders, uh, let's make sure that we honor the Lord and give back what he has so abundantly given to us. And uh, it is a privilege to give. Um, we need to remember that he owns it all a couple of weeks ago we talked about prosperity in in, in the book of james and, and remembering that god owns it all and uh, even though we're the ones that are going to work he's the one that's given us the ability uh, to work and to earn this income and so let's give back a portion um and uh, this is um, uh, definitely something that is a part of our worship for the lord and so let's worship the lord through our giving and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings upon this. We'll have an um, offertory, and then we'll get right into the message in just a moment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to uh, give. And Lord, we know that um, we can love you, um, but we can only love you. We can give without loving, but we can't love without giving. And uh, Lord, you're, you set the ultimate example in that when you love this world so much that you're willing to give, and you gave your best, you gave your son. And so lord help us to give the first fruits of our income uh, back to you knowing and recognizing that it all belongs to you anyway and that lord you are the one who gave us the ability to earn this income and so lord i pray that you would uh, bless this offering may you uh, bless each giver and uh, please make it uh, sufficient for the the needs here at cornerstone baptist church and the ministry that we have to our church family and then to the people around us, uh, trying to get the gospel to them and and throughout the world uh, through our missionaries as well. Uh, So please Please. bless the gift and the giver. Please multiply it and use it for your glory. And uh, we thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our Bible and turn to James chapter number five, James chapter number five. And as you're turning there, if you're able to join me in standing for the reading of God's word, James chapter number five. And we're getting close to the very end of this book, Uh, probably one more message after this, and then we'll be done with the book of James. Uh, But James chapter number five, we're going to be reading in verse 13 through verse number 18. And James chapter 5 verses 13 through 18, the word of God says this: Is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And uh, let's pray it again. Uh, pray together again. Lord, thank you for uh, the time that we've had thus far. and It's been enjoyable to be in your house with your people, singing uh, songs about you and to you. But Lord, I pray now as we turn our attention to your holy word. Lord, you'd speak to our hearts and help us to understand uh, this concept of prayer a little bit more than we already do before. And uh, Lord, please help us to grow in this area and uh, help us uh, to be more like you as a result. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So in our series through the book of James, we've seen him deal with so many different issues in the Christian life. And at the end of chapter number four, he really deals with, remember, their planning and they were boasting in their planning. And then in the beginning of chapter number five, he deals with their prosperity. Uh, Later, and we talked about it last Sunday, he talked about patience. And now he talks about prayer. Um, and these are all areas in which we need to work on, and we need to understand what God's Word has to say about them. Now, in the passage we just read, prayer is not the only thing mentioned in this passage. I mean, there's uh, phraseology in verse number 16. that says, confess your faults one to another. Um, There is sing psalms in verse number 13. Uh, but the overwhelming majority uh, and emphasis of this passage is absolutely on prayer. There's six verses that we read uh, a little bit ago, and in those six verses, the word prayer is mentioned seven times. So it's in, on average, at least once in every verse. So prayer is the overwhelming emphasis of this passage. And so we're going to be talking about prayer this morning and and, and I like to ask, start by asking this question, and, and, and I'm suspe- suspecting that zero hands are going to go up in this uh, particular uh, answer. So the question is this, how many of you, and raise your hand if you're one of these people, who like to waste time? Okay, actually, there is a couple hands, Miss <laughs> Julie. There's one in every group, right? <laughs> um, Yeah, so most of us don't like to go somewhere and just waste time. Uh, Most of us have too much to do on our to-do list that we really don't have time to waste. And so when it comes to prayer, um, we we don't want to just spin our wheels and just waste time as we uh, take our time and invest it in prayer. Now, I, I realize that prayer is not a waste of time, but we want to make the best use of our time when it comes to our prayer life. And here the Bible says in verse number 16 is a key word here. Uh, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. They may be healed. And then here's that, here's that really important word, the effectual. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual. What does the word effectual mean? It means producing an effect or the effect desired or intended. In other words, when you pray, you don't want to just be spinning your wheels and just be uh, wasting your breath. You want it to be effectual. You want it to be productive. You want it to accomplish something. You don't want to just waste your time when you're praying. And and I I think that that's true for all of us. We're we're, we're thankful for prayer, but we don't want to just go through the motions of prayer and vain repetition and and just taking that time and nothing happening. We, We want to use that time to see something happen to it, for it to be effectual, for it to be productive. Uh, But it's not always the case. A lot of times when we pray, we don't really see anything happen behind the scenes, and we don't see anything uh, come as a result, and it can be discouraging. Maybe you felt like the little boy that was pictured in a cartoon, and in this cartoon, he was seen kneeling in prayer. And obviously, he was frustrated and disgruntled with the results of his prayers. He was saying, well, Aunt Harriet hasn't gotten married yet. Uncle Hubert hasn't gotten a job. And Daddy's hair is still falling out. No, no, this wasn't any one of my children, okay, who was praying this. Um, And he, he continued on. I'm getting really tired of praying for this family without getting any results. Maybe you felt like that, where hey, I'm praying and and I'm not seeing anything changing. I'm not seeing any effects from my cha- from my prayers. I'm not my prayers are not very productive. Well, here in this passage, James gives us uh, some keys to having our prayers be very productive, to be effectual, because he says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and. I don't know about you but hey I want to be all ears when it comes to having my prayer life be productive. I don't want to just go through the motions and just pray to check off the box that I prayed. No, I want to I want my prayers to accomplish something. I want to see answered prayers in my life. I hope you do too. Well, here he gives us some keys to productive effectual prayer. And so let's get into it today and look at four keys from this passage and Learn how our prayers can be more productive. First of all, let's look at the practice of prayer. The practice of prayer. Verse number 13, he says, Is any among you afflicted? And if the answer is yes, here's what he tells them to do. Let him pray. But you know what we do when we're afflicted? We don't always go right to prayer. We, first of all, need to let everybody know about our affliction. We need to post it on social media so that everybody can feel sorry for us and and how afflicted we are. And so instead of praying, we use our energy to gripe and complain and whine about our affliction. But here, uh, James is saying, is any afflicted? Well, good. If that's your situation, then your first resort, not last resort, your first resort ought to be prayer and then he goes on and says is any mary let him sing psalms so not always is it uh where we're afflicted sometimes we're, we're we're happy well let's bring glory to god and sing praises to him let's sing some psalms but then he goes on to say in verse number 14 is any sick among you and i i would think the number one category of prayer requests in churches are health related um, so those who are sick among you, let him, those who are sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this particular verse, uh, we could we could spend a lot of time explaining uh, what the anointing with oil is all about. Um, there's people who believe that this is just a, a ceremonial um Anointing, where you just sit, ceremonially put some oil on uh, on on a person after they have. And again, it says here: if if you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church. It isn't the church that decides to do this. It is the person who is sick who needs to make the call. And uh, then a lot of people believe it's just a ceremonial anointing on the head with uh, olive oil, uh, let's say, and and uh, and then and then prayer prayer is the ultimate emphasis of this particular verse uh, let him call for the elders of the church let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord in the in in, in the authority of God another uh, another is well hey oils have medicinal value and and they can be a help and they can they, they can bring about some type of healing and so we we need to pray and then also use our just general practical wisdom. Like, hey, if there's something that I can take to help my 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 issue, then then go ahead. But but don't just rely upon that and doctors. Um, I was thinking about um, I think it's uh, King Asa in the Bible who uh, did not trust the Lord. He only placed his trust in the doctors. It said of him in the Old Testament. Um, we we need to be careful as Christians to not put too much upon the medical system. Um, our daughter, as many of you have heard about throughout this past year, has dealt with a lot of different health issues, and we've been through the um, the insurance scenario and the health. And and for those who may be working in the health, this is this doesn't apply to you, okay? But I'm telling you, our health um, health system is broken. It, it's it's not a good system. It's, it's messed up. And if you work in the, you're not part of the problem. Okay. You're part of the solution. I love you. You do great. Okay. (laughs) But, but the system as a whole is completely messed up. So we ought not put too much faith and trust in the medical system. Um, but look, if, if there's something that's out there that's available that can help, by all means, go for it. And and I think that there's a balance of both applications, I think, apply here. I think, you know, we need to pray and trust the Lord first and foremost for the healing there, because it is ultimately God who heals. And sometimes he uses medicine. Sometimes he uses doctors and and the different things that they're able to direct us to. But, um, but ultimately, the emphasis is on the Lord and, and what he can do. Okay, so prayer is really the emphasis, and that is what needs to be practiced when we're going through times of affliction, when we're going through times of sickness, when we're going through times where we, where we have needs. It says in verse number 16, pray one for another. Uh, when, when, when someone has a need in their life, someone needs a job, someone needs wisdom for a meeting or some type of situation they're in, we ought to pray. We ought to pray. So the first key to having a productive prayer is not just knowing about prayer and knowing that it's available, but actually praying. And that's so key. Um, I was uh, recently um, at a situation where I was um, at a funeral for a, um, someone who was a Muslim, and in that particular situation, we were in a room where um, they have an entire very large room, probably the size of this gym, that was dedicated for prayer. And and these men come into this room, and they, for 30 minutes, go through this Muslim ritual of prayer. And I realized that... Um, what they were doing was they, they weren't praying to the God of the Bible that, that, that we all know. And, and they were going through all of these rituals. And I just was sitting there thinking, how sad. But then I was honestly a little convicted. Because here's people who are praying to the wrong God who have the wrong beliefs, but yet they're disciplined enough to actually come together and pray. We had a prayer service a few weeks ago, and it was a great time. But Cornerstone Baptist Church, the attendance was pretty low. Look, if we're going to have effectual prayer as a church family, we've got to practice it. We can't just know about it and say, well, look, it's, it's busy in my life. I've, been, I've had a tired time, and you've got to practice it. When, when When there's all these all these people who believe differently than than us and they believe they, they don't believe in the God of the Bible, they don't they don't believe in the Lord Jesus as the Bible describes him. And yet they're willing to practice prayer. but but we who are who know the Lord, well, we're thankful for prayer, but practicing it is a whole different thing. And as you go through the scriptures and the New Testament and really even the Old Testament as well, there's an emphasis on practicing prayer and doing prayer, not just knowing about it and learning about it. Um, The Lord Jesus said to the disciples, he said, men ought always to pray and to faint not. The Apostle Paul told the church at at Thessalonica, he said, to pray without ceasing to the Romans, he said, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Again, not just knowing about prayer, but actually praying. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. David said in Psalm 55, in verse 16, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me evening and morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. You see, so many in the scriptures were recorded that they prayed, they practiced prayer. Who were they? Well, just to name a few. Abraham prayed. Jacob prayed. Moses uh, took time to practice prayer. Manoah, Samson's dad, he prayed. Samson himself prayed, Job prayed, Hannah prayed, Samuel prayed, David prayed, Solomon prayed, Elijah prayed, Elisha prayed, Hezekiah prayed, Isaiah prayed, Daniel prayed as he did aforetime, and that's what caused him to get thrown into the the den of lions. Jonah prayed, Ezra prayed, Nehemiah prayed, Habakkuk prayed, Jeremiah prayed, Paul prayed, Silas prayed. Peter prayed, the early church prayed, Epaphras prayed, and, of course, the Lord Jesus himself prayed. But can I ask you, do you pray? I didn't ask you if you knew about prayer. Do you pray? Prayer. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know about prayer. You know that it is having the wonderful access to the very throne room of God being made possible through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is the ability to talk to the Creator, the Almighty God, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The ability to come to Him anytime, for any reason, and just stay as long as you want. But knowing about prayer and actually praying are two different things. So do you pray? practice prayer in your life? E.M. Bounds, in his book, Power Through Prayer, wrote this. What the church needs today... Is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. So Cornerstone Baptist Church, we have men here. Are we men of prayer? Again, I'm gonna throw out something. At 9.15 every Sunday morning, we meet in that room right there, the men's class, for men's prayer time before the services. Today, we had six of us in there. Thankful for all six of them. But there's more men in here than six. And we want God to bless our church, don't we? We want God to bless our families, don't we? We want God to change our our, our culture, don't we? But we're not willing to practice prayer. Someone once said this. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I mean, I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Well, problems just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. But why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, well, you didn't ask. Well, I tried to come into God's presence. I I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, why, child, you didn't knock. Well, I wanted to see the joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He, He answered me, but you didn't seek. So I woke, woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Don't, don't think we don't need, you know, prayerlessness is a masked version of pride. Where I, I don't think I need God, so I'm not going to take time to talk to God. So my friend, the first key to productive prayer is actually practicing prayer. James said, let him pray. Does any among you afflict him? Let him pray. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray. Verse 16, uh, pray one for another. Uh, we, we, we are to pray. We're not just to know about prayer. And I think there's a lot of preaching and teaching on prayer. And I'm, I'm thankful for it all. But... But, but we got to actually get down on our knees and actually pray. James was one who practiced prayer. In fact, I read that he was in prayer so much that he uh, actually had calluses on his knees from being in prayer so often. May that be true of us. I realize maybe some of you can't get on your knees because of health-related things, but let's be people of prayer. So, The first key to productive prayer is actually practicing prayer. Secondly, it's understanding the person of prayer. If you jump down to verse 16 here, it says, confess your faults one to another, and let me just pause and say this does not mean that you need to come to me in my office, or we need to go sit in a booth, and uh, you need to confess all your sins to me. That's not what the passage is saying. It's saying confess your faults one to another, and this is not... You confess your sins to God. You confess your faults that you may have with someone else to them to make things right. That's what the emphasis is. So if you have something against your brother, go to that person and confess that and make it right. That's what James is saying here. But he goes on to talk about the person of prayer. and Pray one for another that he may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A righteous man. So, here in this verse, James gives us the second key to to remember regarding productive prayer the person praying. So, it's not enough to just practice prayer. I need to consider who I am before the Lord before I come into his presence. A couple aspects about the person of prayer. First of all, his standing. His standing. What, What is his standing? Well, the word righteous here is the key word. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, in other words, it doesn't say the effectual fervent prayer of a man availeth much. It says of a righteous man availeth much. I need to be righteous. Well, what does that mean? A couple aspects to that. First of all, righteousness positionally, a positional righteous where I have been made right with God. In God's eyes, as he looks at me, he doesn't see my sin anymore. He now sees the blood of Christ that has washed me white as snow. See, this righteousness is that this is the righteousness that we receive from God. It is given to us at the moment of our salvation when we repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's based on Jesus and his sacrificial death. Now, theologian, theologians often describe it as imputed righteousness, See, positional righteousness is not earned, it's given as a gift of grace that we receive by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way, for he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus God the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And at that moment of salvation, when I place my faith in Christ, in that moment I am made right with God positionally. I've become placed I've been placed into his family and, and nothing can sever that and as God looks at me he doesn't see my righteousness. he sees Christ's righteousness applied to my account. So positional righteousness. But then there's another one that's practical righteousness. that's practical righteousness. see this is this is when we're doing what is right. it's when Christians practice, their position. It's it's trusting God, acting with discipline, building skill, and living in alignment with God's standards. Scripture repeatedly admonishes us to pursue what is right, and we're walking in truth, we're walking in righteousness, walking in purity. That's what he's talking about here in both aspects, the positional and the practical righteousness. This guy needs to be positionally and practically righteous, not perfect, but positionally and practically righteous. First Timothy six eleven. Here Paul is telling Timothy, "Thou, O man of God, flee these things," and he tells them instead to follow after righteousness, after godliness, after love, faith, and patience and meekness. And it was Jesus uh, taught this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five and verse number eight. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then two verses later, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So practical righteousness is we're walking in truth and holiness, striving to please him with our actions, with our affections, with our attitudes. So we have to be righteous. But if there's not righteousness, then your prayers are going to not be near as effective, not near as productive Psalm sixty-six, eighteen 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He says, look, you need to deal with something before you start asking for things. Like we're not, the, the fellowship here is not right. You need to deal with the sin that you've been harboring in your life. Get that settled, then we can move on to asking for things. So if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord says, I will not hear you. Proverbs 28 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. So for those who know what's right and kind of turn their ear to it and say, I don't, I don't want to do what's right, but I want to have my I want to have my needs met. so I'm gonna go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. The Lord says, That that makes me sick. It's an abomination. So can I ask you this question as we consider the person of prayer? Is there something in your life that's hindering your prayer life? Is there unconfessed sin? How's the marriage doing? Say, so what does that have to do with prayer? A lot. The Bibles open to James chapter 5. If you go over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Couple pages over to the right. And look at verse number seven. You didn't know this was going to be a, a message on marriage, did you? Well, marriage and prayer are actually connected. Verse number seven, here after talking to the wives for six verses here. Now Peter turns his attention to the husbands. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, here it is, that your prayers be not hindered. So we want to have a productive prayer life, but our marriage is on the rocks. Let's fix our marriage so that we can have a good connection with the Lord. Um. And he's talking really to husbands most of all here. And uh, certainly applies to wives, I would think, as well, but certainly with husbands. and go back to James chapter number 5 here, but what else could be in your life? Is there bitterness towards someone, towards a brother or sister? Maybe in our own church. Maybe in your own immediate family, or maybe in your extended family, maybe a neighbor, a co-worker. Is there bitterness in your life? guess what? Your prayers are going to be hindered if you don't deal with that. So the person of prayer matters. Keys to productive prayer? We've got to practice it. We've got to understand who the person praying is. So so how's your standing? Are you positionally right with God? Have you been saved? And if you have, then are you practically right with him? Are you in a right relationship and right fellowship with him? So we see a standing, but then, secondly, very quickly here, we see his sincerity. His sincerity is highlighted in this passage. James 5, verse 16. At the middle of the verse, he says, the effectual, here it is, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then he gives us this example we're going to talk about in a moment um, about Elias. He was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. So we see these two words, fervently and, and earnestly. So fervent means ardent, very warm, earnest, excited, animated, glowing as fervent zeal. So as we, it's not just where my standing is, it's how, how where's my sincerity? Am I just kind of going through the motions? Dear Lord, please bless the day. Help everything to go smooth. Amen. Or am I putting my heart into it? Is there a fervency? Is there an earnestness? Because when Elijah prayed, he prayed earnestly. And here we're called to have fervent prayer. Um, I was thinking about the Lord Jesus, and, and he, he was the ultimate example of course in prayer. And he prayed with this fervency and with earnestness. Luke 22, verse number 44, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember that? Right before he went to the cross. He had a time of prayer, and the Bible, and and Luke records this, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So it wasn't just a going through the motions, when is this prayer going to be done? It was, he put his heart into it, and, and, and here's James is telling us to put our heart into it, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much one of the best examples that i could think of in the bible about someone praying fervently and earnestly other than the lord jesus himself was when peter was walking on water if you remember that he gets on the water and then he starts to get his attention off of jesus and gets his starts looking around all the waves and and like wait a minute i'm walking on water i shouldn't be able to do this and he starts to sink and then what does he say three words Lord, save me. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't like, Lord, save me. Ah, there was some fervency. There was earnestness in that prayer. Lord, save me. I was saying we need to yell and scream every time we pray. when uh, We're going to bed and, you know, we're, we're, we're laying there and our spouse is already asleep. And it's like, oh, it's time to pray before I go to sleep. There, Lord. <laughs> what happened, you know? which just happened to some of you right now. I'm not saying we need to do that, but put our heart in it. It ought to be fervent. It ought to be intense. We are talking. Would you go into, like, if if I were to ask you, okay, what celebrity would you like to talk to? If you had the opportunity to have lunch with them, what which one would it be? And you would name them, and, and boy, that day came, and you're, you wake up early in the morning. You're excited to be able to talk to them. You're not going to be like, hi, how are you? When is this going to be over? You'd be excited to talk to them. You would be planned up, and and, and, and and it would be intense. Look, friends, you and I get to talk to the Lord, the Creator, the one who created all of this. The one who died for you. The one who gave his life for you. You get to talk to him. It's wonderful. It's awesome. We need to put our heart into it. We need to have a little sincerity when we pray. So we see the people of prayer, and that's one of the productive, uh, the keys to productive prayer. We need to understand and have the right standing. We need to have the right sincerity. If you're wondering why my prayers aren't really getting past the ceiling, Maybe you don't have the right standing before God. Maybe you're not saved. If you are saved, maybe there's some things in your life that you need to deal with before God says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to start pouring out my blessings upon you, my child. Look, I, I can't. There's, there's some things going on in your life, some obvious things that need to get dealt with. You've been regarding iniquity in your heart. And then maybe it's because we just kind of are going through the motions and there's no sincerity. What's the other key to productive prayer? Thirdly, I want to say that we need to understand the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer. And I love this one here. in Verse number 15. The Bible says this, The prayer of faith might save the sick. The Lord might raise him up. Is that what your Bible says? No, that's not what my Bible says either. My Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. Verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So God does give us awesome promises in his word regarding prayer. Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Matthew 21, 20. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. John 15:7, part of our theme for this year. Abide in Christ. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Look, friend, God has the unbelievable power to heal hear all of our prayers all at the same time. And beyond that, he has the ability to answer our prayers, to intervene in each and every situation in a miraculous way. And on top of that, he has the wisdom to know how to best answer those prayers for his glory and for our good. Look, he's not a genie in a lamp that you rub and then he goes, "I'm going to grant you whatever wish you have." God is too good to give us all things that we want because we would just want all things for ourselves. And he would; he's not that way. That's not who he is. He knows what's best. First John five and verse fourteen. This is the confidence. In other words, we know this promise that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And we, and if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. That's awesome. God's given us some tremendous promises of prayer. Look, when Hudson Taylor, who was um, a great missionary of yesteryear, and when he was sailing to China to begin his missionary work, his the ship that was taking him to China was in great danger. You see, what happened is the wind had died down and the current was starting to carry them toward the sunken reefs, which were really close to islands inhabited by Cannibals. So close to these islands they got that they could actually see them building fires on the shore, probably anticipating a great feast coming their way. Well, everything they tried on the ship was to no avail. And in his journal, Hudson Taylor recorded what happened next. He said, The captain said to me, Well, we've done everything that can be done. And the thought occurred to me, Hudson Taylor said, and I replied, "'No, there is one thing we have not done yet.' "'Well, what is that?' he asked. "'Well, four of us on board are Christians. "'Let us each retire to his own cabin, "'and in agreed prayer ask the Lord "'to give us immediately a breeze.' "'So Taylor prayed briefly then, "'and certain that the answer was coming, "'went up to the dock and asked the first officer "'to let down the sails. "'Well, what would be the good of that?' he answered roughly. Well, I told him that we had been asking a wind from God that it was coming immediately. Within minutes, the wind did begin to blow and it carried them safely past the reefs. Taylor wrote, thus God encouraged me, air landing on China's shores, to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help each emergency required. Knowing that our prayers touch the heart of our loving Father in heaven and that he can meet any need, we should be confident that he will hear and answer when we cry out to him. Look, the Bible says the prayer of faith shall. The Lord shall. Uh, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We, We need to understand that there is a promise of prayer. That when we're actually practicing it, then we're as a person of prayer that we're in the right standing and the right sincerity, the Lord promises to take care of us. Jeremiah 32, 17. Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for him, including the situation that you might be in right now. The health issue, the financial trouble, the relational issues you may be going through, nothing's too difficult for him. Nothing's too hard for thee. Let's remember that and go to him in prayer, knowing that he can answer that prayer. One last thought here, and then we'll wrap it up. And that is the last key that James gives us in this passage regarding prayer, to productive prayer. And that is to understand, to remember the pattern of prayer. And this one may seem a little odd here, but he gives us a pattern or a person who prayed in the Old Testament, and God used those prayers to do supernatural things. Verse 17 Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So for 42 months, it did not rain because of one man's prayer. In verse 18, he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, certainly, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is our ultimate example in prayer, but here James gives us an illustration that I think we can all relate to a little bit better. Because when we look at Jesus, of course he's our example, but, well, he was the son of God, and he was sinless, he was perfect. I can never match up to that. Okay, well, that's why James gives us here this pattern of Elijah, who was a man, as what he says here, subject to like passions as we are. Now, he was a prophet in the Old Testament who was not perfect. If you remember... I mean, he accomplished some pretty neat things through the power of God. I mean, he was able to call down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel and, and uh, win a great victory there. But immediately after that, Jezebel is after him. And he is scared for his life because of one woman. He was able to face 450 false prophets, but one angry woman, he was running for his life. It's like, dude... But not only did he run for his life, he got to the point where he thought he was all alone. He thought, man, I'm the only one trying to do right. So he had a very self-centered perspective. So much so that actually the Bible says he was suicidal. So someone who's suicidal, we wouldn't necessarily want to put them up as the pattern to follow, would we? That's what James says. He said he was a man like as uh, subject to like passions as we are. Look, he was not perfect. He dealt with temptation. He dealt with uh, emotional trauma and mental health issues. He did. But he prayed, and he believed that God would answer those prayers. And God did answer those prayers. And look, if Elijah can pray with those issues, look, that's pretty easy for all of us to relate to because we all have you know, emotional trauma, and sometimes we think we're all alone, and sometimes we think life may not be worth living anymore, or maybe the world would be better without us. If you've ever had any of those thoughts, look, you're in good company because, well, you're in company. I don't know if we want to call him good in that respect. Um, but but he's, he was a pattern of prayer. And if someone like him could pray and see God work, Does that not encourage you that God can answer your prayers too? You say, man, if if all we had in Scripture was the Lord Jesus and his prayer life, that that would give us obviously something to strive for. but, but But when we see that God can answer Elijah's prayer in spite of the fact that he was not perfect, that gives me great encouragement that God can answer Eric's prayer because Eric's not perfect neither are you so let that be an encouragement to you obviously we want to go back to making sure that we're a righteous man or a righteous woman we want to make sure that we have the right standing with God and and there we have a we have a nothing between us and our savior but we we don't necessarily have to have a perfect track record for God to answer our prayers he can answer our prayers so this morning we've looked at The keys to productive prayer. All of us know about prayer. All of us, I would assume, pray. Um, But how are we going to see our prayers go from just prayers to productive prayers? See God start answering prayers. And now this isn't a guarantee that all your prayers are going to be answered in the way you want, in the timing you want today. Um, God, God is not bound by our timetable. God is not bound by our desires, but, but God does want to hear us, and God does want to answer these prayers according to his will. And, 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 and so what are, those, what are these four keys that we've looked at this morning, the practice of prayer? Again, are you actually praying? You, you may be able to preach a sermon about prayer far greater than I could ever do. That's not the point. Are you actually praying? Do you practice prayer? As you think about yourself, are you in right standing with God? Are you, have you been saved? And if you have, are you in right fellowship with him? And is there some sincerity or have you let your prayer life grow kind of cold and robotic? And then we understand the promise that, look, God can and does answer prayer. And then we see the pattern here, just an encouraging thought about Elijah, that here was an imperfect individual that God was going to listen to. And praise the Lord for that, because I'm not perfect either. And don't get discouraged that you're not the spiritual giant. I don't know that Elijah, we would, I mean, he, he accomplished great things, but he had some areas of weakness too just like you and I do. I'm thankful for these thoughts here, and I hope that you and I will be more effectual in our prayer life, more productive. To see God answer prayer, but we've got to apply these keys into our life. I mean, you go to a door and it's locked, and you go, well, I have a key in my pocket, but I'm not gonna use it. I'm gonna keep trying to just force it open, friend. God's given us some keys here. Let's take the keys out. Let's put them in the door. And then, whoo, that was easy. Let's use these keys that God's given to us in this passage here. And I'm thankful that James wrote these things. Very helpful, very encouraging. Let's pray together.